Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast at NBC Sports. Finally, a playoff edition where we can dive into the Western Conference with Dane Carbaugh, talk about Harden versus Westbrook, talk about that Clippers Jazz series, talk about the annual meeting between the Spurs and the Grizzlies. Lots of stuff to get to. First, I wanted to remind you our sponsor this week, Blue Apron, which, as I've told you before, look, I've used this for years I've used it before they became a sponsor. I'm a huge fan of the fresh ingredients at your doorstep, the instructions and the ability to cook things you wouldn't normally do. You can check it out and actually get three free meals for free. Go to blueapron.com slash PBTNBC. That's like Pro Basketball Talk NBC, PBTNBC. You'll find free shipping. Try your first three ingredients. You'll be hooked much like I was. Blue Apron, it's a better way to cook. Well, let's get to it. Let's dive into the Western Conference, and joining me to do that is Dane Carbaugh here from NBC. How you doing today, Dane? Doing very well, ready to talk playoffs. Glad we're finally to it. Yeah, I know. It's kind of fun to finally be at the playoffs. So, I, I think there are two really interesting series in the West, and a couple um, that are could be entertaining, but uh, I, I'm not sure are going to be all that close. But let's start with the, the, the one I think most people are talking about, which is Oklahoma City versus Houston, James Harden versus Russell Westbrook. What's the under-over for you on triple-doubles in this series? Ooh, that's a good question because obviously I think the the real um, the real thing that we always talk about when it comes to playoff time is, oh, d- defense is locked down and games slow down and all that kind of thing. But both of these teams are built on – um, I mean, Oklahoma City is necessarily a transition team as a team, but they're built on Russell Westbrook being a one-man transition when he chooses to do so. And of course, uh, Houston is a transition team that you know has a top offense in the NBA. So I don't think that uh, winning for them, especially going up against each other, um, you know, Oklahoma City sort of middle of the road on defense, I think, and uh, Houston um, same kind of thing. So I don't think necessarily they're gonna either we're gonna tighten down or um, that, that changes how their offense works too. So I think over under. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it's not that many though. I'm gonna say we get that that playoff, uh, that, that batting on the hatches for playoff a little bit. I'm gonna say there's three. Yeah, I, I was gonna I'm gonna go a little higher and say five, but I think it's gonna be a little bit of desperation. Westbrook later in the series where he's just mm-hmm. doing everything he can. But I, I think if you can, can you treat him like I don't know? We'll call it the the Michael Jordan rules, the Steve Nash rules. Let him get his, just make sure nobody else gets theirs, and that will be good enough if you can score. Well, I think traditionally, after watching a lot of film on Oklahoma City this year and just watching a lot of their games, um, <clears throat> that is that is the way to beat 
the Thunder. It's not as though um, Russell Westbrook, when he has his triple doubles, they automatically win. That's not necessarily been the case. They have a much better chance, percentage-wise, of winning when he does have those. But really, you know, we saw him have, uh, well, we saw the Thunder have a, a real problem when Victor Oladipo went out. He was one of the main recipients of. Uh, Russell Westbrook's uh, passes or, or vice versa, being able to move and have somebody pass to him for once. Um, when Andre Roberson was you know, hitting three-pointers, that really helped him out. Same thing with DeMontis Sabonis earlier in the season. Um, they So they really have to um, try to stop you know, Steven Adams from setting good screens or uh, getting jumpers off of the rolls, uh, stop Victor Oladipo, who's back now, of course, from contributing the way he can and stopping their shooters from doing what they can do. I don't necessarily think that guarantees them wins. I still think that the Rockets are going to have to um, sort of overpower Oklahoma City offensively. I think that's true. And by the way, overpower not in the go inside and get physical with them sense because that is what Oklahoma City would like to do. They'd actually like to they're not a great three point shooting team. Oladipo has his moments and what have you, but they wanna they wanna pound you. They they are a kind of physical team that way. They wanna play physical defense on you. They tenth in the league in defense. Um one thing that's gonna be interesting going the other way though is if you're if you're trying to we're talking about, you know, Westbrook and getting triple doubles. Patrick Beverly will spend a little time on him, and there's history there. Like people remember now, when Westbrook went out a few playoffs back with the knee injury because somebody crashed into him, that was Patrick Beverly. Um, it's it, there. There is a history there. There's not a lot of love lost, and there's going to be a few different guys. Trevor Reza will get some time. A few different guys are going to get time on Westbrook, but Beverly's going to get his shot, and that. He's going to be physical, he's going to be annoying, and he's going to try to get under Westbrook's skin. I'm not sure if making him angry, though, is is not kind of like making Bruce Banner angry. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Patrick Beverly has a playoff history and beef with just about every guard in the West, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. There's a long, <laughs> it's kind of a long line. Yeah. Uh, the big question for me, too, I think, is whether or not Oklahoma <laughs> City can guard the break for uh, Houston. Obviously, it's been tough for, we're talking about, just you know, little slivers of, of changes here because obviously Houston is such a good offensive uh, team on the break. Particularly because you know I did a video on it earlier this year on NBC Sports where you know Russ, uh, uh, James Harden um, gets the ball out quickly, and I'm talking yeah. like in the ten feet before the the timeline, he'll get the ball out to a guy cutting down the wing. So I think that that's something that Oklahoma City is going to absolutely have to concentrate on, as if they haven't concentrated on the other four games they, they played in the season. But that's going to be a real question for me about whether or not this team, or whether or not this series um, you know, ends up as a, a five-game series or a six-game series. Yeah, exactly. I do think that there's something to, when we're talking about being physical inside, one way you can slow the break a little bit is offensive rebounding. And, and that's something that you might try to see you know, teams tend to shy away against teams uh, that are on the break. That the the more traditional NBA way of dealing with this now is, uh, you know, hey, we're just we're going to sacrifice offensive rebounds to be back in transition. But there might be something to be said in this case for simply whether it's Stephen Adams or someone else. Send them to the board. Cantor is really good on the offensive glass. Like send him to the glass. Make them defend him. Make Capella stand on him or whoever else is going to be on him at that moment. Make them. You know, pull one guy back, but make them work. Make them hesitate for a second. Give yourself a little extra time to get back in in, in some space there. I think I think it's actually the 
the ability of Clint Capella and other Rockets to play inside is going to be huge for them in this series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right, and I think um, on the flip side of that, you mentioned Enos Cantor. He might be the key to, like I said, stretching this stretching the series into five or six games. Yeah. Um, he might be the real key there because he's obviously uh, with the other offensively sound player. If you're taking a look at you know who who really makes an impact with the Thunder, and so if if the Rockets can't um, find a way, because he's he's found a way to get people. Um, one to to dominate the offensive glass, but also to get people into foul trouble a little bit. And so, with the ro- the fr- front line rotation that the uh, Rockets have, I feel like that could be a real factor. Yep. I also think it's going to be interesting when you're defending James Harden. How exactly are you going to do this? You've got a couple guys you can throw at him. Uh, Oladipo has spent a lot of time on him this season, but I think you're going to see. Look, Andre Roberson's a really good defender, and I think you're going to get a chunk of uh, Andre Roberson time on James Harden as they throw different things, just trying to slow him down and trying to, well, you know, you're going to have to throw a lot of guys at him just because he's going to get whoever's on him in some foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, which I think, I, I almost think that might be the strategy to put uh, Roberson on him first because of how valuable Old Depot is to the rest of how the offense works with Westbrook. Yeah, that's actually really true. Um, how much do you see this series? I think it's going to be interesting. You were saying you think it can go five or six. I kind of think it's a six-game series, maybe... Maybe five for Houston. I don't think it's going to go a full seven. I, we're probably both on the Houston wins this. They, they just are the better team. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But how much does this change the perception? If if Harden, if they close this thing out in five and Harden looks great, it changes the perception of, a, of an MVP race where the votes will already be cast. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm excited. If that happens, yeah, I almost wish I hope that... Um that does happen because we get to have this conversation. Everybody's tired of the conversation. I think it's hilarious to keep having this like deep into the first round of the playoffs, even though you're like, you said the votes are already cast. I think that that might give more fuel to the fire because there's an extremely strong contingent um, that I think are trying to cast themselves as the, the reasonable ones that says that Harden is the MVP, which I have, I have absolutely no problem with. I, I picked Hart. I picked Westbrook, but um, I had no problem with, Harden being the MVP, but there's this yeah. weird uh, battle going on online with people um, getting very testy about it, and I think it would be hilarious to to move it along into deep into next week. It would be, and and, and if something it, if you're the NBA, and now you're not giving out the awards till June 26th, by the way, like not only like forget after the first round, you're not giving out the awards until after the finals and after the draft, and when everybody's already thinking about hey. Who can we get in free agency? Can can we get can we get you know Blake Griffin or, or you know whoever's going to be whoever, all the guys that are going to be out there on the free agent market? The focus is going to be way beyond this season, and suddenly you're going to try to turn it back for one night and and give this award ceremony. It's so late that it it's going to be a little strange. But the, the flip side of that is even if let's say Kawhi Leonard has a monster playoffs and, and pushes Golden State to seven games or in the Western Conference Finals or or beats them. Uh, Suddenly he looks like the MVP, except guess what? He's going to come in probably third. Right. Yeah. Well, and that, that's, that really goes back to, and this is really the it, it, the crux of the conversation we've been having all season long between um, Westbrook and Harden specifically, but also when we try to fold in uh, Kawhi or possibly LeBron, is what does the MVP mean? And I and they, they yeah. left it intentionally vague for a reason because it can then be applied to different players in different situations. Um, and so the question there is, like, is this the MVP of the regular season or is it the MVP of the year? 
So I, I almost tend to think that obviously because of when they're giving it out, it's it's more explicit that it's the MVP of the regular season, in which case you still have to argue about it between a couple of players, but the playoffs wouldn't factor in necessarily. That, that sounds good intellectually, but the, the narrative will have changed. It, it, <laughs> oh, we, yeah, we, we, <laughs> we will We will feel differently about this by the time the playoffs come around, whether or not we can say, well, obviously the votes had to be cast, you know. I, I, yes. But I actually formally cast my ballots right before we did this podcast on Thursday. Oh. And for the record, Westbrook. Um, okay. Uh, which was what I'd, um, I will be posted. I think we're putting that up on Friday on, uh, on NBC. But um, it's... You know, it, look, I spent an inordinate amount of time on picking some of these things, and it's kind of strange to look back now and then find, you know, it, it's just strange to think that uh, I've spent all this time, I've watched all this film, and then I'm going to watch the playoffs and be like, yeah, I don't know, I feel differently now. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it's it's just, it's uh, going to change the perception. I don't know what you can do about it. Uh, are you saying, so I'm saying, even though they'd have to win it on the road, I'm going to say Rockets in six. Okay. In I, I think it's I think it's possible that, yeah, I, I'm feeling like there's a real possibility that there's five because there's this, obviously, this uh, competition between these two guys, and uh, there's a history, uh, I mean, lo- long before the Thunder, obviously, so I think it's like you have that fire, and you have Westbrook, who yeah. um, probably, you know, is more, I don't know who's more angry about wanting to be the MVP, right? Because, yeah. obviously, Harden has been sort of campaigning for himself after especially after Westbrook uh, hit 42 triple doubles so I don't know there's this fire there but obviously Harden is on the better team so yeah does that fire last through I mean you know the, the first game happens in the weekend and then like a lot of these games don't happen until like Tuesday or Wednesday after that so it's yeah. like there's these series technically could go <laughs> like a very long amount of time like I was I was looking at it it's like the last game for a seven game series could be like the 24th or the 25th or something like that's like a long that's a long long ways away it so is. Can it can that fire last specifically that long? I don't know. I feel like it's possible, especially if you have the Rockets. If, if the Thunder aren't able to get a game, which I don't think they will in Houston, and they get they have two double digit losses, maybe that starts to round off the edges a little bit. I, I don't know. Maybe not on Westbrook, but on sort of the team as a whole and how the, the the attitude and all that kind of thing. So I feel like it's it's possible that I could feel like today. Ooh, this could be a six-game series because of all this, you know, competitive back and forth and yada yada yada. And then, you know, uh, uh, combined twenty-five point losses later, and I'm going into game three thinking, oh, this is going to be a five-game series. So I, I don't know. I don't know where to come down on it. I feel like it's, it's, it's safer to say six and probably more reasonable. But I wouldn't be surprised if it went five. Dan, I'm going to take a quick break to talk about Blue Apron, which you know I've been hooked on. And after listening to it here, you went and tried and actually really enjoyed and have used now as well. Look, if you like to cook at home occasionally and you just don't know what to make or don't know how to make some of these more exotic, uh, interesting dishes that are out there, Blue Apron is the way to go. It's affordable. The ingredients are fresh and high quality, and you end up making some really fun stuff. There's some stuff coming up, like Parmesan-crusted chicken with creamy fettuccine and roasted broccoli, sweet and sour salmon with bok choy and ginger-fried rice, baby broccoli and fontina paninis with hard-boiled eggs and arugula salad, stuff that you wouldn't normally make at home, but they make it so easy for you. Blue Apron sends the ingredients right to your door, step-by-step instructions. I like to cook. My wife's not much of a cook, but this is the one thing we do together. It's a lot of fun. You'll enjoy it. 
Just go to blueapron.com slash PBTNBC. That's PBT as in pro basketball talk slash NBC. And you'll get your first box, three meals for two people free, plus free shipping. Try it out and you'll be hooked. You'll love how it tastes. You'll love how incredibly fun and easy it is to do home-cooked meals at home. So I would don't wait. Just trust me on this one. Try it out yourself. Blueapron.com slash PBTNBC. And you'll be hooked. Blue Apron. It is a better way to cook. All right, well, let's move on to the next series. Let's try talking a little bit about what I think is going to be, frankly, the probably the most interesting series in the first round of either conference in terms of just even level of play. Uh, Los Angeles Clippers versus Utah Jazz. The one thing that the Clippers have going for them, I think they're coming in playing their best ball of the year. They did play fantastic at the start of the year, but I think everybody kind of they got banged up a little. The rest of the league, you know, Golden State started to catch up. But over the last 10, 11 games of the season, the Clippers had the second best point differential in the league. They were playing really well. They're coming in on a high and they're finally healthy. And it leads to that, well, these Clippers are pretty good when everything clicks together. And that could be real trouble for Utah, who's going into their first playoff series. Right. And, you know, the, the Clippers are on a seven-game win streak, which I feel like has been something that's, especially for an L.A. team, extremely quiet as we yeah. wrap up, uh, you know, the the weird race in the East and who's switching, who's, you know, who was trying to uh, switch places between the Clippers and the Jazz in terms of seeding and who was yeah. going to make the eighth seed and the MVP race. I feel like that almost got sort of put underneath the surface. And uh, now it's rising up and we're taking a look at the Clippers and people kind of forget the first 11 games of the, you know, of the year or the first you know, 15 games of the year, they were pretty much unstoppable. And so the joke, obviously, especially after um, they had their hiccups in the middle of the season was that, Oh no, they've done it again. You know, they, yeah. they had, here's, here's the year where they came out extremely determined, apparently with all their talent and all their, um, their years together and they're going to put it together, but they peaked extremely too early, like literally the first two weeks of the season. Now, it's possible for them to be catching fire again, which is, I, I that's a, a great little narrative and a great thing going into this series. Um, you know, and, and for Utah, you're right, it's their, it's their first big series. They they have, I feel like, it's tough for me to judge how much that would affect them, though, because this is a team that, you know, before the season started, everyone was on them for being, they were going to be, the, they're going to be the team this year. They're definitely going to make a leap. And for as much as I think people were probably on that in seasons past, and they had injuries here and there or, or what have you, um, you know, they didn't let that come to them. They won 51 games this season yeah. with everyone in the preseason picking them to finish right where they were going to finish. So uh, I think that's that gives me a little bit of uh, pause whether or not they're um, you know in trouble or anything. Yeah, I know. I think they're a really good team. I, I think that if they can, if their defense can disrupt the Clippers' offense. Uh, they've got a shot in the series. Not that the Clippers are a bad defensive team, but Utah is so based around their defense and Rudy Gobert. And that's obviously one of the fun matchups in this series is you've got Rudy Gobert, who's who's had a growth on offense a lot this year, who's a really dangerous role guy and gets his buckets now, uh, going up against DeAndre Jordan. Frankly, two two of the best defensive cent- pure traditional centers in the league. I mean, I, I you can throw Anthony Davis or somebody in there as well, but... In, tra- in terms of a more traditional center, these guys are awesome. But I think it the one matchup I think it's really potentially dangerous and good in a good way for Utah. They might play some small. They might sit Gobert a little to put Derek Favors at the five a little more 
because he can stretch the floor. They lose a lot defensively, but if you can either pull DeAndre Jordan away from the basket or get some threes knocked down, you know, that can really help open things up. Favors is back, you know, after an injury. Looked a little rusty the last couple of games. They were truly trying to get his conditioning up. But I think he can be key for them this series just because he can help open up the floor. Yeah, and that's, that's I, I think, playoff series are about um, that kind of adjustment. How many times have you gone back and said, oh, remember game three when they did this? Or, you know, yeah. the, the, the fourth quarter of that game really meant something when they did this, something that really is the fun back and forth in these games. The question, I think, would be whether that works throughout the series, right? Yeah. Because you have the Clippers who are, um, you know, yeah, not the not the, the best defensive team, but they're a, um, you know, they're a top 12 team. And they are the fifth best offensive team in the league. And especially as those guys, those veterans, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan, all those guys, J.J. Redick, who, you know, what, what set the record for made uh, threes for Clippers this season. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> as those guys focus for the playoffs on offense, I wonder how sustainable that would be for stretches, you know? Yeah, exactly. Utah's got to find some ways to slow that offense down. One of the more other interesting matchups out there because of that, you mentioned Redick. Redick is really key to a lot of what the Clippers want to do in the postseason because you can start trying to take things away from Griffin. You can try to take other stuff away. It's hard to do that and stop Redick. And it's a lot's going to fall on Rodney Hood to kind of be able to chase Redick down. And by the way, then make Redick work on defense. Rodney Hood can put up some points. Make mm-hmm. make Redick work on the other end. That's a really a fun matchup to watch uh, outside of just the obvious ones. Like, can, can George Hill... They're a much better team, Utah, when George Hill is out there and defending. But how much can he disrupt Chris Paul? Uh, can any or can anyone, frankly, disrupt Chris Paul? He's, <laughs> yeah. Chris, yeah. Chris Paul is still the best floor general in the league, and he's just he just picks teams apart. And it's this is a tough defense to pick apart, but he's going to find some spaces. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting you're you're mentioning it's going to be about really about maybe how well. The Clippers are able to um, defend the pick and roll and specifically um, switch when necessary because I think Chris Paul, as a dribbler, puts himself in positions yes. where teams may not necessarily be looking to uh, make a full switch, especially on like a 1-5 or a 1-4 pick and roll. But he's so good at putting himself in those positions, it's going to be interesting to see how they defend that, how they team defend that, how they collapse on that and dig down. Same thing goes, like you're saying, with um, trying to chase J.J. Redick around. Obviously, J.J. Redick is so good at coming off of one, two, three screens that it, as for as good as you can deny him on the first and second screens, sometimes that third screen or sometimes on the second screen, you have to call for the switch and then and then find your man and not keep running and then you know switch yeah. to the other side wherever the open man is. So I think how good the the how um disciplined the jazz can be on those guys night after night after night especially as you have uh you know a video team and a, a offense a, you know, a coaching staff for la that sees how those switches work on one night and then change up how they run it the second night um yeah. that's going to be really interesting that battle between that offense and that defense yeah uh the clippers weak point is always everybody goes oh well well a little bit the bench uh but also uh a little bit the three spot that's obviously the weakest link in the starting lineup. It's going to be Mba Mute, and they are going to ask him to guard Gordon Hayward. And that's a tall task. Hayward's, look, there's a reason Boston's going to come out hard at him. There's a reason he's a uh, an all-star and a borderline all-NBA kind of player. He's really good, and they're going to ha- he's key to their half-court offense for Utah. 
they need him to be going, and they're going to ask a lot of Mbamute to not let him, get, you know, basically keep him out of the paint, make him a jump shooter, and, and not let him hurt them too much. Yeah, that's, that is going to be an, an interesting matchup, and I feel like this could be for as much as, uh, you know, the, the Jazz have been um, very good this year. You know, there was little moments where Hayward wasn't around or maybe he didn't perform specifically on specific nights. I know that maybe irked Jazz fans a little bit. Um, he's obviously had a, a very good year, um, so not necessarily to take away from him, but, you know, they want to see that really big like they they know that he's an he's an all-star and a and yeah like you said like a borderline all-nba player so it will be interesting to see if uh, they how how much how much he can get to the line because you know he shoots uh almost nine free throws uh per 100 possessions yeah. which is quite a bit so i think that um you know we'll come playoff time it'll be interesting to see because like you said the bench they don't have a lot of uh rotation that can then guard him adequately so if he can get early fouls which i i hope that quinn snyder would be focusing on in terms of their offense i hope because they that sort of pulls things you know off in a, you know, on a string yeah. for the clippers and their you know their their bench rotation if they can get early fouls in bamute um it might be really beneficial to them for the rest of the quarters of that game yeah that's actually a really good point so that's going to be I, I I think the Clippers win. I'm going to say six, but I think it's a hard fought series. And if it um if it went seven, I wouldn't be shocked. If the Clippers had to come home for Game Seven, I think the, I think this is really even and uh, a really fascinating X's and O's matchup. Yeah, I'm I'm worried. I, I mean, I I would say that I've been I've been the guy for I'm probably four or five years who's who's been riding the Clippers train. No, this is the year, guys. This is they're not going to lose to the the Grizzlies in the first round this year, you know. They're yeah. they're going to do it. And um this year I was I I got off of them a little bit to start the year and I kind of divested myself and I don't think I can trust them well enough to close it out in 6. So I, I'm going to say I'm going to say it's a uh 7 game series without saying and I think it'll be close, but I think there'll be some Clippers playoff weirdness because the Jazz are so good, because they have such a good home uh, atmosphere, yeah. um, and because they can do some weird stuff, and, and some of those specific matchups might really be beneficial to them. So I'm going to say it's a, a seven-game series for the Clippers. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be an intense one. Uh, let's move on to the more near neck of the woods up uh, up in the Northwest. One of the probably more entertaining series in this thing, it's Golden State versus Portland. Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum try to find a way to outscore um, Curry and Thompson and that entire Warriors offense for a night. Uh, maybe they can win one, but I think the games are going to be fun to watch. Uh, fun to watch for who is a good question, though. Fun to watch offensively, fun to watch for a national TV audience. I think so. I think yeah. Blazers fans will probably be pretty disappointed because um, even as uh, these teams have fought each other, or say over the course of the regular season, and there's been some offensive back and forth for the first you know, uh, two quarters maybe, uh, the Warriors have pretty much always had it in hand, which uh, doesn't bode well when you know that you're facing elimination. So I think... Uh, I think it'll be certainly interesting. I'm not sure. The Warriors, I feel like, um, sometimes they choose to uh, pick up on some defensive cues against the Blazers that other teams have run against them, but sometimes they just sort of um, let it be and force them into really basic stuff, you know, making Alfred I mean, shoot the basketball, uh, letting, before you know before the trade, Mason Plumley be the guy who um, 
has the the ball in his hands with five seconds left to go in the shot clock. So uh, I, I don't I don't know if they necessarily do against them that uh, would be any different because I don't think they'll necessarily revert to uh, what teams did last year against the Blazers in the playoffs and just trap Damian CJ on every single pick and roll. But uh, yeah. I think that it'll be a um, I, I don't know if they'll let him shoot that many threes, but I, I hope it's at least uh, I hope it's at least a shootout. Yeah, they they played four times this season. Uh, there was two games within ten. Uh, Golden State won all four. One one by two, one by eight, but one one by twenty three and one by forty five. And regular season series are like you said a little tough to judge off of. Once you get into the playoffs, uh, it's it's not um it's rarely a clean you know comparison. But I think you're right. It's, it's a tough matchup for them. If they can get Yusuf Nurkic back mid series. That's certainly a boost because he really balances them out on in Portland. Yeah, I I feel like um, I I don't know what the timeline is on that. I feel like the Blazers have been a little quiet on that, and they were, which is uh, that's how quiet they were on um, you know Festus Azili all season, and then all of a sudden he's not going to play at all. So I feel like it's possible that Nurkic you know doesn't make it to the court at all. Although you know he is. They didn't put photos of him up, you know, getting stretched out and, you know, working with trainers and stuff. So maybe it's possible that he comes back. I do think that from an offensive standpoint, he really stretches the floor out for them and gives them a lot more options, mostly because, um, obviously, I did a video for us over at NBC Sports on this this year, but mostly because of uh, where he can pass the ball in addition to being able to shoot it and how uh, defenses can sag or can't help off of players because of that. So I think that Nurkic would really help them I think on offense, on defense, I feel like it's possible, and I I don't want to be the the negative guy from Portland or anything, but uh, Nurkic could pretty easily get uh, you know negated by getting in foul trouble early, which I think is maybe yeah. something that the Warriors would do specifically to attack him. Um, so I think that if he does come back, that would be something to look out for right away. Yeah, uh, Clay Thompson defending in this series will be interesting. It, look. McCollum and Lillard are going to get theirs, but like you said, people are going to run traps at them at a times, and that's a big backcourt in Golden State. That's the one advantage they have. You know, Curry and Thompson are both big, and, and Lillard and McCollum are not, and you're going to be able to get them into some awkward situations. Um, and Clay Thompson can defend, and he's going. Uh, he might have a really great offensive game. You never know, quite know when he's going to have one of those monster offensive nights, but I think he's more key for them in this series on the other side of the floor. Meanwhile, if you're Portland fans, you're like, well, we need a monster series from Alpha Rucamino to keep Kevin Durant in check. And good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, which is, I mean, that's the problem for every team facing the Warriors, right? Right. But, yeah. uh, the, the Blazers specifically, who are not a good defensive team and, are, and rely on key contributions from certain players, not necessarily um, from, you know, from as a team perspective or... Uh, as an interactivity between, say, two players, a, a wing and a big or something, I think that um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is because you have you have a couple of good defenders. You have Alperuka Minu, uh, Mo Harkless can uh, you know guard those guys for stretches, um, and you know Mo Harkless has shown the ability to guard Kevin Durant for periods of time where they, he looks pretty good. So I think um, you know it's it's possible that they have again. I think this game will be about stretches. The, the real conversation I had with Mike my girlfriend about the series is whether or not the Blazers would win a quarter. So um, she said yes. And I said, I said yes, but I think it, it might only be one or two. Yeah. And they both probably will be at home. Yeah. They, they, I think they can steal one game at home. I, I, I'm saying five. I think they can, 
just have one of those lights out nights and steal a couple quarters and win one at home. Um, but the five is the max for this series. If it's not four, I don't, I can't see it going yeah. any longer than that. So I think, uh, it's absolutely four if they, if they get, if they get Nurkic back halfway through going into game three or something back in Portland, I think it's possible that they get either game three or game four. It's possible they get one of those games before, um, they make an adjustment and, like I said, trying to get him specifically into foul trouble or something um, or running him up and down the floor to put stress on his leg or whatever you're trying to do to him. Um, but if they don't, I think that it's not – the way that the Blazers are constructed now and I've watched, I don't know, 80 games of the Blazers this year or something, uh, I don't think it's possible for them to even have one of those, like you're talking about, those on-fire nights uh, without Nurkic's spacing or without somebody else like you know Mason Plumlee's passing in there. So – I think it might be pretty quick if Nurkic doesn't come back. Very possibly. So we'll move on to the fourth and final series, the annual San Antonio versus Memphis series. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. Two of the top six defenses in the NBA, the Spurs were first, the Grizzlies were sixth. Also, the third and fourth slowest teams in the NBA. This is going to be grinding. You know, this thing probably goes five, maybe six games, depending on what you think of Memphis. For these games, the team that wins isn't going to break 100 points. It's it's just going to be one of those series. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the real problem for me taking a look at it is um, how good the Spurs are on defense and how bad the the Grizzlies are on offense. Yeah. That's that's the thing. Like Combined with the pace issue, I think you're going to see um, – yeah, like you said, like a couple wins. It'll be like, it'll be like a 93-85 win for the Spurs like a couple times. Because I don't know that the Grizzlies have enough. Um, they they have they don't have enough uh, versatility that the Spurs can't game plan for them in a playoff situation to shut it down. Yeah, and you can throw certain defenders. Look, there are some good offensive players certainly on Memphis, but Kawhi Leonard can spend some time on Mike Conley and give him trouble. And you know, look, Marcus Saul is one of the, still one of the best offensive centers in the league. People are sleeping on how good Dwayne Dedmon is been defensively once they've started him, and one of their best moves by the Spurs this year was convincing Pau Gasol to come off the bench as the sixth man, as the big there. He tears up second units. He still plays well. Deadman is a really good fit with LaMarcus Aldridge because he doesn't need the ball on offense. He doesn't try to do too much. He stays out of the way, lets Aldridge have the touches, but he's a really good defender, as in if he played more minutes this year, I'd be thinking about him for all NBA defense level or all defensive team level player. He was statistically phenomenal. Uh, I think you're going to see more of that next year as they start to use him that way. But he's going to give Mark Gasol some trouble. And I think, it, like you said, it, in total, this just slows down what's not a great Grizzlies offense to begin with. Right. Yeah. And and, and the other thing I think, too, about uh, um, Deadman is he's a good offensive, good enough offensive rebounder to be able to then finish those possessions where he doesn't need to touch the ball, but still yeah. get a basket for the Spurs, which is obviously incredibly important. Like his um, his you know uh, rating differential is crazy. It's like 20, you know plus twenty three or something. So um, I, I don't know. I, I think that uh, and the other thing that's interesting about that is that Pau Gasol just qualified to be uh, had had enough I think attempts. Um, he's the best three point shooter in the NBA. Yeah, <laughs> do you see that? Yeah, the percentage wise, he, he did get enough. He did get yeah. enough shots up now. That yeah, it's kind of crazy. But uh, that yeah. that was something that he was. It's funny, it was Powell was so loath to do that 
when Mike D'Antoni tried to force him to in L.A. and now, you know, in a better system and a better mental situation than that kind of screwed up team back in the day. But um, he look, it's within his range now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which I think might create some real problems for uh, how the Grizzlies uh, typically have thought they could defend the Spurs. So yeah. um, I think I think the real uh, the real thing will be, I think, Mark Gasol will have enough of his if they can get the ball to him within the confines of the offense. And so I think the the key will be trying to figure out how to force Conley to either pass to the other side of the floor so that those plays take longer in the shot clock to develop, or uh, maybe not necessarily outright force force a turnover, but force a um, uh, the wrong decision or the bad a bad decision, and whether that's uh, putting Kawhi on him, having Danny Green switch over onto yeah. him, you throw uh, whatever that may him. be, maybe not for the entire game. I don't think Pop is like he's not that kind of guy. He's not like uh, say uh, like the Blazers have done with like oh there's no, we have no way of guarding Chris Paul. We have to put you know um, Mo Harkless on him or something. Uh, he's not going to go like that, I think. <laughs> but uh, you know, like if Patty Mills checks in, I think he'll he'll guard Mike Conley from time to time. Yeah. I think that he'll use a lot of those guys on him to be able to do that because I think that's the that's the focus point on the defense to be able to get it out of Gasol's hands and of course by association get it out of Conley's hands so he can't do what he does because he's the what well, he's the number one scorer in uh, Grizzlies history, right? Exactly. And by the way, the Grizzlies what they could really use in this series is another shot creator and a guy who can shoot threes and space the floor on that weak side. Someone like I don't know Chandler Parsons. Hmm. If only they had gone after somebody like Chandler. Well, obviously, obviously they did. They gave him a lot of money, and Parsons will not be playing in this series. He's out injured, shockingly. Um, that's exactly why he, they got him. He's exactly what they need stylistically on this team offensively, except they don't have him, and they're not going to have yep. him in this series. So uh, I mean, let's put it this way. So I think you and I are suggesting that this is not 2011. There uh, will, no. This, there yeah. will not be the 1-8 upset that this is uh, – but it is a series that the Spurs probably didn't want to play just because it's going to be physical. They're going yeah. to get banged up a little bit in this one, and then they're going to go on to face, as we were predicting, they would face lightning-fast Houston in the second round. That If you're a little physically banged up and you've been grinding and you've got to switch to that style, there's a challenge there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's interesting because they are almost probably um, were... Because you know Memphis started off high and then went low and then dipped out and then yeah. ducked back in and so they were probably watching that specifically because I think obviously the teams at the bottom the the Blazers the Nuggets the Thunder all play similarly to like, a similar yeah. style and and would be less physical teams to had to have uh, taken on at this spot and of course they they they, they, they drew the Grizzlies and like you said with uh, Houston at the three spot would have to face them possibly uh, in the semifinals so. Um, it's it's going to be a weird adjustment, I think. And they, do they have? Do you think that they have the uh, the toughest first round matchup? Correct. I th- well, outside, of, I think Clippers Jazz is obviously tough. But of the teams that are potential contenders, yeah, the, I think no, that, that yeah, okay, right. that, that's yeah. that that's a because I'm, I'm not sold that's, as Clippers or that. That's I, what I meant. But I, but <laughs> yes, I, I this is a it's a difficult matchup just in terms of I think it goes five games. I don't think it. Some people are picking six. I can't see that. I. I think it's over in five. It was a sweep last year. But that said, I'm just not sold. Like, just the, you, you know, hey, there's certain teams that are just, just like you watch an MMA fight or a boxing match, there's certain team got fighters 
you just don't look good beating. Like they're just awkward and the whole thing's awkward and you may win, but it's not pretty. That's like playing Memphis. You, you're going to win. They're going to win, but it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be grinding. They're going to get beat up a little bit and it could catch them in the second round. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'm saying five. I don't think that a possibility for six games means that Memphis has to do something that I, I don't think that Greg Popovich and his coaching staff allow. Um, and that's, you know, essentially not adjust enough to whatever the Grizzlies are, are doing. Yeah. I, I don't think the Grizzlies have enough, like I said, versatility to be able to take it on the Spurs. So I'm, say, I'm saying five as well. All right, cool. Well, Dane, thanks for jumping in and doing this with me and uh, breaking down the Western Conference. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Hey, this was great. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back, myself and uh, Dan Feldman, breaking down the Eastern Conference tomorrow. But you can find this at podcast, that podcast, and all our archives, of course, on iTunes. The Stitcher app is a phenomenal place to catch all the podcasts that we do, plus just organize all the podcasts in your list. Uh, of course, audioboom.com and NBCSports.com. If you go there, you can catch, look, there's a lot of great podcasts right now on NBC Sports. Stuff running up to the NFL Draft with uh, Mike Florio. Lots of stuff as the Premier League season winds down. And my boys at Newcastle are going to get promoted back up. So you're going to be listening to me talk way too much Newcastle soccer on this podcast next year. Um, and, pro- and promoting that. But there's great soccer podcasts if you're a Premier League fan. So thanks everybody for listening. And we will talk to you soon. Do summer projects your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. With free delivery on over 2 million items, you can make the most of summer grilling and dig into gardening. Plus, get same-day delivery on thousands of products like power tools and storage to tackle any last-minute garage project. Summer your way with Memorial Day savings from The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.